everyone, welcome to Trust the Trail. We are your outdoor guides, Ariane Petrucci and Scott Jans. This is episode 156, Waking Up on the Appalachian Trail. On this episode, we speak with Nathan Hankus, the author of Waking Up on the Appalachian Trail, a story of war, brotherhood, and the pursuit of truth. Nathan shares how he and his brother found solace and triumph through hiking the Appalachian Trail. What did the trail teach them, and how does backpacking apply to life? Get talking about this topic. Join in on this discussion on our Facebook group page. Just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash trust the trail podcast and start that conversation. Come hang out with us and be part of our community. So because of the pandemic, all of the retail stores have been closed. There's a huge amount of inventory that gear company companies need to get rid of. There are some killer deals out there, folks, and we've put them all in one place for you. Just go to the backpackerstore.com. The power is in the search. You can use the search area to type in the piece of gear you want and compare prices from all the major online outfitters like REI, Moose Jaw, Camp Saver, Eastern Mountain Sports, Osprey Packs, Hyperlite, all of them. They're all in one place. That's the backpackerstore.com. There is even a section for all coupon codes that these companies offer. Wait, what? <laughs> in full disclosure, we built that site for you. Take a small commission off any gear you buy. It helps support our podcast, and it's at no cost to you. Just go to trustthetrailpodcast.com and sign up for specific emails about trips, meetups, and events that we're going to try to squeeze in <laughs> in 2020. If everything still goes right, it looks so far, it looks so far so good. You want to sign up for that email. We just sent one out um, a few days ago, the 1st of June, and we received an email back. And I have to say... We love when we get emails. <laughs> yeah. And, and no, normally when you send a newsletter out, it's a campaign and, you know, you get bounce backs, you know, people, you know, delete their email address, um, they unsubscribe, you know, whatever. Um, and occasionally you get an email back. And, and when I get an email back from a mail out, um, usually my I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> uh-oh, what I do? Um, but this time it was it was really cool. So I, I got to share this with you because you know these kind of emails um, they they touch our heart. They they really um, they they really touch our heart. Well, they and they keep us inspired to continue doing what we're doing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Inspiration. Oh, I, I, there's got to be a bigger word for that because it, it was this was great. This was from Co. Lamar. I believe that's how you pronounce his last name, L-A-M-O-U-R-E-U-X, Lamar. Um, Co, thank you so much for sending back um, and writing uh, us. Co wrote, thanks for everything you guys do to educate, encourage, and inspire us to trust the trail. My wife and I are entering our later years, early 60s, and just started hiking. Trust the Trail was uh, one of the first podcasts I came across, which propelled us to this new passion for the great outdoors. 
We are learning, training, and most of all, hiking to hopefully meet you both at one of your awesome events. Thank you again for all the work and love you put into your projects um, that kindly share with us. Wishing you all the best, Co. Well, Co, thank you for that. Um, I got that uh, not that long after I sent the email out, and it uh, it just it just it just touched us so much. So thank you so much for taking the time to let letting us know that not only do you appreciate it, but you listen. And uh, um, I I cannot wait to hike with you and your wife on on the trail. Absolutely. absolutely, it's it's got to be worth it because Scott actually woke me up out of a sleep, which is hard to do, <laughs> by the way, to, to to share this email with me. And at first, I was what. But then when I when I read it for myself, I was I was I was so touched that I stayed up for hours afterwards <laughs> and never got any sleep. So we hope to meet you guys one day and and definitely hike right beside you. Now waking you up from sleep is like poking the bear. <laughs> Don't poke the bear. Uh, because <laughs> you are you are not an easy waker upper. So Cole, you did it. You yeah. did it. So thank you for that. Yeah, Cole, thanks for having my back on that too. I really appreciate that. I didn't have to get in trouble on that one. Um, so on this episode, we have a special guest with us, uh, Nathan Hankus, who returned home from his tour in Iraq, unable to answer one simple question: Had his mission overseas been honorable? Determined to find clarity and forge a new identity outside of the U.S. Army, Nate, alongside his brother Ben set out to hike the entire length of the 2,180-mile Appalachian Trail. And Nate shares his story with us. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for coming into the Trust the Trail podcast. We are really super excited to have you on as our guest. Uh, the book looks great. Really, I'm excited to hear uh, your story and for our listeners to hear your story also. So um, let's get kind of right into it, Nathan. You you served in the military before your hike in the on the Appalachian Trail. And by the way, thank you very much for your service. We really appreciate uh, you. Um, so tell us a little bit about um, your, you know, how you went from military to backpacker. All right. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much. So I joined the military in junior year of high school. So I actually went to basic training in between junior and senior year. And then after senior year, I signed on to go full time. And I, I learned how to operate drones. So I got stationed in Arizona for training. And that was a six month program. And, you know, we're doing flight school. Uh, we're we're behind simulators. We're we're flying these two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollar airplanes at the age of eighteen years old. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, no, no pressure at all. Any button I hit, I'm like super nervous. Is this Wait, the one? <laughs> are are you are you saying your drone is better than my DJ Mavic Pro? Are you saying are you saying that that drone is a little bit better than my little drone? Get in where you fit in, man. It's, uh, it was pretty interesting. It had a 14-foot wingspan. It could fly anywhere from 3,000 to 15,000 feet, and it'd stay in the air for about five hours. So 
this is here's a little glimpse into what the military is like so towards the end of my training they give me the opportunity they say all right where do you want to get stationed i say well washington state sounds cool so i checked that one alaska sounds cool i checked that box ah, germany sounds cool i checked that box and then i get my orders you're going to kansas son <laughs> so <laughs> so i ended up going to kansas and I got uh, connected with a unit that was just being built up. Uh, at this time, it's 2006, so Iraq War, Afghanistan, they're both going, they're, both of those missions are building. And we ultimately get orders to deploy to Baghdad, Iraq. This is the troop surge of 2007. They're just bringing in a bunch of units into Baghdad because a civil war had broken out, and our mission was just to stop it and restore order in Baghdad. So about this time, I met someone who had hiked the Appalachian Trail. I'd never heard of it, so I asked him a few questions. We, it was a brief interaction. I said, what's, what's the Appalachian Trail? What kind of gear do you have? Do you have like a rucksack? He says, no, man, <laughs> a military rucksack? No way. We use like top-of-the-line lightweight. You're hiking for so many miles, you can't use that heavy stuff. You'd you just won't be able to make it. He told me this story. He said towards the end, he got rid of his tent and he just rolled up in a tarp at night and it sounded pretty brutal, but it definitely piqued my interest. Right. So, yeah. So when I get to Iraq, pretty challenging time and we can get into that a little bit more, but I never, I never forgot about the Appalachian trail and I had one of my ways, I guess it was escapism looking at it, but, I said, if anyone wants to help me out or send me a gift or anything while I'm deployed, National Geographic has a list of top 100 adventure books. Just send me a book off that list and I'll be super happy. So I just really, during this, and it was rough where we were. It was very violent when we got there. We had incoming fire, pretty much daily mortar rounds, rockets, um, very, very violent. So it became a form of escapism for me where I would just read these books, I'd think about going on these great adventures to Antarctica, to hike the hike Mount Everest. I read all these books. And it, these types of adventures began to take like a meaning in my mind, something that, that really meant a lot. And I would say that I kind of, this isn't healthy, but, I don't think my mind was capable of handling what was happening to me over in Iraq. So I kind of like zoomed off and kind of hung out in the future where I'd think about when things would be a little bit better. And I do think quite a few people do this. Um, but as, so I'd always look forward to the Appalachian Trail. I'd, I had, when I had access to the internet, I'd, I'd look up, all right, what kind of tent should I have on the Appalachian Trail? <laughs> Started making lists. I'd, you know, I'd, I draw like the AT symbol and, and like our, our mission log. And it just became like an object of obsession, if you will. So that's, that's really how I, I delved into like the adventurer's spirit. And I think actually if you're in the military, there's something inside of you that is probably open to, extreme types of experiences. And I would definitely say the Appalachian Trail is an extreme type of experience. 
So, so when anybody was going through your mission log and they looked at the AT symbol, did you, did they ever go, what the heck is this? Like, what? Well, Nate, what are you doing? <laughs> well, I was more, I was more than happy to educate people about it. And actually I told, I told all these people, I was like, yeah, I'm going to get out. You know, I'm going to hike the Appalachian trail. I'm going to do all these different things. And now when I talk to my military friends, it's probably been, 13 years since then they say man you're you're the one guy that got out and did all the things you said you were gonna do well i think i did maybe inspired some people (laughs) well you know there there's a lot to be said with you know uh the appalachian trail for some reason um has this magic about it where um, you do become obsessed with it. I was, you know, I was in a much different situation than you are, obviously, and and as other people were. But um, you know, when when that obsession creeps up, and in your mind you're already on the trail, um, it it seems like everything around you comes to a standing screech halt. Like there's nothing else around you that matters other than how do I get on this damn trail. And um, I think the the obsession part of it seems to, you know, just it just it's like that bug that just catches people um, randomly, and uh, and they though when it catches you that hard, you I I think ninety nine point nine percent of those people end up on the trail for some reason. Yeah, and if you you think of the sacrifices people take to make it on the trail, whether it's leaving a, a career they had or like putting their stuff in a storage unit. I think it definitely speaks to that form of obsession. So Nathan, I've got to ask you, you spend all this time, you know, really digging in your mind into the future and being on the trail and what that would look like. It's inevitable that obviously you had some kind of expectation of what you were going to partake in. Um, so how did the reality of your first few days or your first few weeks, even your first month on the trail stand up to what you had actually anticipated it to be? Yeah, this is uh, one of the greatest life lessons the trail can teach you. <laughs> <laughs> well said, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't get too wrapped up in your expectations. So, so I hiked the trail with my brother. He had just got out of college and the timing worked out and it was great recession time when we hiked it 2009 and he didn't really have any hot job prospects. So I think he just thought of it as a way to delay the inevitable plunge into the job market. And he really didn't know what his passion or purpose or calling was. So for him, the trail was kind of to figure that out, but so we started in Maine. We started in July, actually, and neither of us knew anything about hiking. We had done one, we had done one like preparation trip in Kansas. We hiked around this five-mile loop twice and wow. camped out. And then <laughs> the ticks were so bad, we stopped early. <laughs> so that that was the extent of our experience, other than any sort of military training. But those are two different animals. Right. So we actually, when we started hiking Katata and we got there early, there was nobody at the ranger station. So we were just like, well, I guess we're just going to take our packs then. And uh, I think we made it a 
half a mile and then we turned around <laughs> so <laughs> I went back and just set our packs there and I'm like well I don't think anyone will steal them because they're way too heavy <laughs> <laughs> anyways um yeah it's brutal it's hard it's a challenging it's you know my my brother would joke he's like man I, I thought we were, we were just gonna like sit around campfires and eat beef jerky but this is really hard <laughs> so, yeah I think we get to, I, yeah, talk about naive. And I guess it turns into almost like a a job. Like it's a every day you really have to discipline yourself to reach your goal. Like it's not like every day you're you're gonna wake up and you're gonna think, well, maybe we could take a zero today. Um but no, it's it's uh it's definitely a discipline. It requires a lot of discipline. Well, that's that's funny that you you say that because that was one of my very first realities when I had when I did the trail. Of course, I did quit the corporate world. I left everything. I was the one who sold everything at the garage sale and put stuff in storage, and and I was done. And it it wasn't soon after I got on the trail that I realized, well, this is just another kind of work. <laughs> yeah, know? it's a beautiful work. It, it's it's a work that I want, um, and, but it, it definitely then becomes the same mundane routine every day. And uh, surprisingly enough, there are not a lot of campfires on the trail <laughs> because people are so tired after the day, they just let the weekenders do the campfire and we're usually in bed. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. The difference between the corporate world and the trail, the is you are accountable to yourself only when you're on the trail. So I think it teaches you um, like self-integrity. I'm going to do this today. These are how many miles I want to get to. I'm going to get to this town on this day. And that's a skill. I don't know if you call that a skill, but it's a trait or characteristic that if you learn it and you're successful, it's going to help you for the rest of your life. So I have a question. So um, did you actually get rid of the military uh, backpack or did you, uh, did you go heavy? Uh, and and yeah, what how was heavy word? Yeah. What packs. was the, see the thing when you, talk to, <laughs> when you talk to a military guy about backpacking, you know um, it's, it's different because um, I did, I have run into some military guys backpacking and they're like, Oh, well we train with like 110 pounds of weight on our backs every day running through Kuwait. And I'm like, uh, that's a lot of weight. So what, what, yeah. how did you, what, what did you do? And what was, what was, did you like spend a lot of time on gear or, or is it more important for you to just get on the trail and then figure out the gear later? So, like I said, when I was in Iraq, there was a, definitely one of my obsessions or distractions was to read a little bit about gear when I had time on the internet. We were limited limited to about 15 minutes a day of internet. So I would read like, okay, this seems like a decent brand with lightweight sleeping bags. This seems like a decent brand, but I really had no idea. I think when we got on the trail, our packs were between 45 and 50 pounds. And I actually started out with a crazy 85 liter pack because it's like that looks like something a uh, distance hiker would need 
and we <laughs> ended up we ended up finishing with 55 liter packs and about 35 yeah probably like 30 to 35 pound packs so we definitely I mean one of the things that we did learn on the trail early on was you have to adapt um, or you're not going to make it so I think I had like my sleeping pad like a big inflatable fluffy thing I think that weighed over a pound and we that was one of the first things to go um, but we did when we started we we had, I think, 12 days worth of food because we had read and my brother and I agreed that we're going to do about 10 miles a day for the first month and we have to make it through the 100 mile wilderness. So we needed a lot of, right. we needed to carry a lot of food. And that was <laughs> challenging because it's a lot of weight, but we weren't hiking long miles, so we weren't doing much damage to our bodies. Right, right. Yeah. And you're just kind of beginning too, and your body's still trying to figure out exactly what is happening, <laughs> trying yeah, to get into that actually, rhythm with you. Yeah, I would actually recommend to people who are considering a distance hike to think about, you know, you're going to want to go further your, your first days. You might feel good. It might feel fine. But until your body is really adjusted to carrying that weight, um, you're probably going to be more susceptible to injuries. So that's a strategy that that really worked for us. And then once you start to see what other people are carrying with them, you talk to more experienced hikers. I'd say once we were in New Hampshire, we started bumping into northbounders and we kind of see what their their packs and their gear looked like. That's when we started going. When, when we were in towns, we'd go to outfitters and we'd mail some of our old gear home and then buy new stuff, which I would, I would recommend people to kind of budget for some changes yeah. to their gear yeah. if they're not super experienced. Yeah. And because <laughs> yeah. you're, you're going to be, yeah, you're going to be glad for that. Early on, we mailed, we mailed home some of uh, our winter layers, which that, that actually came back to bite us <laughs> it always <cold>. does <laughs> that, that has not changed on the trail since the trail started <laughs> I, wish, I wish i had known that we had some brutal brutal cold nights in virginia yeah you clearly did not have enough internet uh time to research that aspect uh but that that's what but that's what the trail is there to you know to teach you is the reality of your experience versus another I'm very curious. So you were hiking with your brother and it sounds to me as though your purpose in hiking were two very different reasons and the need for why you were out there. So how did you guys go about meshing that your perspective on things? And because hiking with a partner is not always easy if you don't have the same exact goal in mind, which it's rare to have. Were there any hardships between the two of you or any hardships individually amongst either of you that really forced one of you to want to quit? And I would, I would, yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. I would say that early on, um, my brother had expressed some interest in getting off the trail and he had some knee pain because our packs were overweight and he really he didn't have that sense of meaning that i had to be out there honestly i don't think i ever 
considered quitting the whole time, but I know that he was, he actually told me later on that he's like, you know, I, I had kind of been hoping I'd like break my ankle so I could leave without <laughs> actually telling people I quit. <laughs> so I have an excuse, which sounds pretty, pretty rough, but yeah, he was, you're, that's a, definitely a correct observation to say that we had different reasons for being out there. I was confused to say the least. I grew up in a very, like a conservative um, area in Wisconsin and just learning about geopolitics and the reasons behind wars and all that kind of made me confused about my own upbringing and things that I just thought were reality. So the journey I had to take was a little more inward and my brother was really trying to figure out, all right, what's my next step here? Cause I'm about to be tossed into the real world and that's scary. So his, he, all of his conversations, uh, any of that he would like lead or facilitate or, uh, you know, I've, I'm kind of good at planning stuff. So maybe there's like a career with planning. Um, and at, at a certain point, I, I just gave the controls to him. I said, here's the guidebook. Uh, you can plan <laughs> the mileages that makes you feel better. And that kind of suited his needs at the time. Uh, he was, I would say he was a little more present and I was just kind of going in deep to figure out or heal whatever it was in me that wasn't, um, wasn't healthy. Right. So, so yeah. And any of the conversations I would lead would be like a little more philosophical or <laughs> even touch on like spiritual issues. And my brother wasn't so into entertaining those conversations, but then you, but then you get into talking with all the free thinkers and free spirits on the Appalachian trail or, you know, the types of people that it attracts. And that was where I got a lot of the benefit of the trail was the culture. So as you can imagine, I'm sure you've, you've met all these people and I'm sure you've talked about it on this show, but um, the trail attracts um, a different breed of human. It and does. that's exactly what I needed at the time because conventional wisdom, conventional knowledge, just the way that um, I had been raised to believe the world was, that didn't make sense to me anymore. And I had no other context or framework with which to interpret the world around me. So I ended up getting in these deep conversations with these strangers and all of those are very healing for me. They're also very challenging because it, um, it challenged my experiences and sacrifices in the military. And it just challenged my assumptions of the way things were. And it, we actually met, uh, fellow southbounder actually from Wisconsin as well. And that's kind of why we hit it off. And my brother and I ended up hiking about eight miles or 800 miles of the trail with him. And, you know, after the trail, our family was invited to his wedding and our families have remained friends over, over the years. But this guy, he, he, he was, um, he was worldly. He would traveled around. He'd, you know, he'd read all the books that uh, had the types of answers that I was looking for. So he kind of turned into a mentor to me and that's precisely what I needed at the time. I just, like I said, I was confused and I needed some sort of context for the types of um, 
challenging emotions and confusion I was feeling. You know, I just needed someone that would uh, entertain those types of conversations. And I, I found that not just in, in him, but in fellow hikers. You know, it's a, it's a great culture. It's a great community. And that's what I needed at that time. Well, I think you just really kind of exemplified why we call our podcast Trust the Trail because, you know, you go out there and it's kind of an unknown. Uh, you don't know what you're going to expect, but you do know you're going to have to do a lot of walking. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and some of that walking is going to be fun. Some of that walking is going to suck. And some of that walking is going to really challenge you in every way possible. And, um, but the trail ultimately gives you, you know, what you need. And I think that's the unique thing about backpacking in general, not just the Appalachian trail, because there, there's a lot of beautiful trails out there. I think, uh, the Pacific crest trail equally gives you that. Um, also I, I think it for, for you, it sounds kind of like you got exactly when, what you needed when you needed it in your life. Um, what, what were some of the mental, I guess the mental challenges that you would, that you went through that you would share with, you know, a person that says today or who's writing AT symbols in their, in their book, (laughs) what would you, what, what would you, you know, what would you, what would you tell them or what would you share with them about, you know, just some of the mental challenges that you go through? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I would, I would tell people, anyone who's, yeah, like you said, obsessed with the trail, wants to hike it, I would definitely tell them to put their expectations in check. We already covered that. That could be, you know, that could be so deflating early on for someone that that could be enough to get them off, off trail. Um, beyond that, I would say just be present. You know, there's, you know, so in hindsight, this is all in hindsight. Um, like I had gone inward and kind of away from the material world to get in my mind. And, uh, I would have probably had a better time and maybe an easier journey after the fact, had I just learned to let it all go and just be on the trail, just breathe, pay attention to my breathing when I'm on the trail, try not to, get stuck in the stories of my mind Um, because that's something all humans do we just have thought patterns and they can go in loops and they can be really unhealthy they can be unhelpful and uh, I think the trail gives us a great opportunity to be present because you need to pay attention to where your feet are going you need to pay attention to the white blazes and so I think it's like um it's a journey into mindfulness and just becoming aware of what's around you and what's, what's going on in your body. That was, that was a big lesson for me as well. Cause in the military, you're trained to push through it. You know, that's why so many veterans get out with disabilities because <laughs> you're just told, you know, your body doesn't matter. Just complete the mission. You know, you're a machine and that's right. just go for it. But then you start to, all right, well, my knees kind of hurt. Okay. What can I do about it? Not a whole lot. Cause I'm walking. Maybe I could like 
find a different pair of shoes. Maybe I could figure out a way to lessen the weight in my pack. So again, that's a, that's like a mindfulness mindset of just scanning your body, figuring out what's going on with you. And if you're, if you're doing that, you're going to be more likely to make, make the changes you need to make that will set you up for success. Cause if you're not, I mean, if you're ignoring your body, um, I mean, how many people do we know that got off trail due to injuries, something like shin splints or, or even right. worse. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think we, you know, you bring up a good point. Um, we talked a little bit about this yesterday is, um, you know, being able to adapt, uh, the trail changes all the time. Uh, the weather changes all the time. It's never really the same day, even though you're, you know, you're in the same place, you're on the trail in a specific state. Uh, but the trail changes constantly and being able to adapt to, you know, mother nature doesn't care about your through hike and mother nature doesn't really care about, you know, what your dream or your goals are. And, uh, you know, she rapidly changes her system. And, uh, we talked a little bit about being able to adapt and you had said that you thought that was the big key to finishing was being able to adapt to the trail. Yeah. And that was, like I said, that was more of my brother taking the lead on that front because, you know, my, I was kind of, uh, I had gone inward and it may not have been in a healthy sense. And my brother was taking the lead. He, he was the one that was actually dealing with the knee issue. So he was very concerned about weight and figuring out ways to stay on the trail. Uh, and if he hadn't been able to adapt with, you know, getting new gear, um, figuring out, uh, we didn't carry cell phones. So like figuring out ways to plan ahead and figure out where we were going to go and, yeah, if you if you're not doing that, you're not you're not going to be successful. Right. Well, so we're speaking to you obviously because you have recorded your journey in some form, uh, it, it, well, in the form of a book. But you talk a lot about hindsight. So, did you go in to this thinking that you were going to rec- record your entire journey, or did that come at a later point? I think. I think writing had always been something I was interested in. I definitely kept a journal when I was on the trail. It was very sparse. It was just like the mileage, the weather, um, maybe any notable events. And it, I didn't really start writing about my hike until about two years after it. Okay. And yeah, so I did rely on the journal a lot. I relied on pictures a lot and but when I was hiking, I, I really wasn't thinking like, okay, this will be a good scene or whatever. I was just trying to make it, you know, I was just trying to make it to the end. Right. You had mentioned earlier in the podcast how the books that people would send you um, as gifts when you were stationed, it, that I'm sure that that somehow played into, you know, this, you almost unconscious playing into the fact that one day you would be actually writing something for somebody to read um, about these experiences that are engaging and uh, motivational for another, just as they were for you. Yeah. I learned so much from all those books and they gave me inspiration in a time of need. And yeah, like you said, there's definitely some subconscious 
uh, you know, it's my favorite genre. So probably, I probably in my mind uh, processed my own journey through like <laughs> the lens of, you know, some of the adventures I had, I had read about. But the, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm dying to know what was the feeling of you and your brother getting to the last few miles of 18. We just had a friend this year um, finish the, the Appalachian Trail. She was a, a crazy, she was a flip-flopper, but she had hiked northbound okay. to, the, to Springer. Um, and so we met her in the Springer parking lot right there. What, what was your feeling? You're, you're coming in, you know, you're crossing the, the, the Springer parking lot right there. You have a mile to go. What, what, what was that feeling of, of we, we did this, we made it. Yeah. So we, we actually had family with us for those last few miles. Um, it was special. There was, you could feel like, a steps were getting a little bit lighter. You could feel a little bit of like an electric electric electricity about it. And when we made it, it was, it was like a, a reverent moment when we saw the sign, I stood there, everyone kind of gave me space. They knew that what it meant to me and uh, it's pretty powerful. I would, I would also say that it was a bit of a, a letdown. And I know that <laughs> might be uh, an uncommon response, but I don't think the Southbounders have as majestic an ending as Northbounders. And I have heard that a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't think, I, I'm not so sure about that because when I got to Katahdin and I touched the sign and I took that euphoric moment and I did take that time to myself after crying and bawling and everything else, um, I did then ask, um, so there's no parade? Where's the fan? Yeah. <laughs> you know, where, where is everybody? And it was a very lonely hike back down <laughs> the mountain. And then it was like only a few hours later, I was going up to cars. I was going to, if I could get a ride back out of the park. <laughs> so I felt like I went from like euphoricness to like, I felt like very homeless. <laughs> I didn't have anywhere to go. That's like, is there a helicopter that's going to come pick me up or what? <laughs> right, right. It, it is. I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a very euphoric moment. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm done. So anyway, <laughs> so, uh, that's, that's awesome. What would you, what do you think now, uh, you know, recalling your hike and everything that you've, you'd gone through to get to, you know, sometimes the journey just to get on the Appalachian trail just to get on there, just to get to the trailhead is a journey in of itself. Um, and you know, you, you accomplish that journey. You, you go through life, you get to where you need to go. You get to the trailhead. That's one journey. Then you hike all the way. You, you, you do the whole trail. That's another journey. And then you have time to reflect on that. How is backpacking the Appalachian trail? How have you applied everything you learned on the trail? Um, how is that? If, if it has at all applied, to your life? Great question. I would say that the Appalachian Trail experience has taught me a lot of discipline. It's taught me about setting goals and achieving them and not like some far off 
goal. Like, Hey, I'm going to hike the trail, big picture, more like, Hey, I'm going to do 20 miles today. I'm going to do 22 miles the next day. Um, I've found that that's a better way to make it to your goals than just to kind of leave it as a, a faraway destination. Um, I think it's really taught me how to endure hardship, but I think I learned a lot of that in the military as well. So I, I, I would honestly say that there were a lot of parallels between my time overseas and hiking the trail. You know, you're living out of a small, you know, I had a foot locker overseas and on the trail I had a, a backpack. Uh, and you're just living in like a isolated little world and you have your mission and your mission doesn't change for months at a time. And there's a little bit of monotony uh, to it. And yeah, I think it's, I think it's very similar to the military experience actually. And, and anything I learned from both of those experiences, they've carried on. So obviously it takes discipline to write a book. Uh, I made it through school, um, straight A's, six years. Um, and it was just the diligence of just showing up every day, um, envisioning in your mind that you're going to achieve your goal and then just doing that. And really shitty weather doesn't bother you anymore, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, we, we, laughed like, we laughed yesterday because, you know, prior to the Appalachian Trail, you're like, ooh, I'm going to wait for that rain to stop. And then post-Appalachian Trail, you're like, yeah, it's only raining. What the heck? You know, I mean, it just so, right. it seems like the, the weather doesn't really bother you anymore. So, um, or, or like this, this food just fell on the floor. That's fine. Or there's a few ants on my food. Just brush them off. That food is still good. Yeah, whatever. You know, extra extra protein. Yeah, (laughs) it's extra protein. Your your resilience really opens up uh, when you when you start backpacking. Yeah, I'm I'm a firm believer. Every every time you've got to dig a hole every day, uh, you know, to uh, to poop in. You, you've pretty much adapted to life. I mean, there's really not that much that's going to bother you anymore. You know, when you look at the world, and you're like, eh, you know, I pooped in the woods for like six months. So, you know, um, tell I'm us. Good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I'm good to go. Next. Yeah. Um, so tell us, tell us how, how people can get your book and what can they expect buying the book? It's just, it's, it, it's amazing. I, I, I read the whole first uh, section uh, of it on Amazon. So tell us, tell people a little bit about what they would expect getting the book. Great. Yeah. So like I said, it's, it's in the same vein as all the adventure stories that I'm sure many through hikers know and love. It's got the typical hero's journey, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey of, you know, start out confused and then you kind of feel this call to adventure and then you go out and you learn something and then you, you transform. So I followed that whole narrative arc, brought it in through the hike. Obviously I'm trying to explain what hiking is like to people who don't understand the trail, I'm trying to explain the landscapes and what it's like to hike the trail. I'm explaining the culture of the trail to people because that's something that really helped me and I related to. Um, and then I go into some deeper stuff. I do, I talk about, you know, the trauma of being in combat. I talk about 
why people join the military, what it means to people and why, um, at least for me, why I had felt like I'd been, um, for lack of a better word, like bamboozled right military <laughs> for the iraq war you know i think well america is the best country in the world we're going to defend it um so there are are points in the book where i you know what the gentleman i met on the trail his name was patrick in the book uh he goes by dylan um i definitely rely on a lot of those conversations that we had and I share those conversations as best as I could recall and kind of like try to explain step-by-step step my thought process of going from, I would say like even like a jingoist uh, conservative kid that really doesn't know much about geopolitics or anything, just kind of picking up the lead of what's around me growing up and then going through this transformation on the trail of, um, you know, I've kind of been, my mind had been opened. I've, so I was open to receiving new information I may have been closed off to previously. And we discuss geopolitics, the history of why wars start and uh, oil and corruption and all that stuff. So beyond just a hiking trip, which I definitely get all into the details of hiking and uh, the daily pain, the the weather, the the mosquitoes, all that stuff, <laughs> cooking, and then just Our the inner journey of coming to like a a sense of clarity, you know, well, like I, yeah, go ahead. I I really liked what you said. I I I think the biggest impact I got was um, you learned to kind of just been to be, you know, in the present. You just you know you just learn to just be in the present moment at that time, you know, and I think that's a, that's a really long place to come from, um, from where you were to the trail, just to stand still and just, you know, just be in that moment, just be in nature and just be in that, in that moment and appreciate it and be grateful for it. That's the greatest gift um, any of us will ever receive is just this moment. So how can people get your book? Yeah, so uh, it's available on my website. That's uh, for your listeners. I want to give them a, a discount so they can receive free shipping or a discount on an ebook um, if they use the coupon code TRUST on the website, which is nbhankus.com. And I'm sure that'll be in the show notes. Yep, it's I will put that link on, in the no show notes. Absolutely. Yep, it's available on Amazon and everywhere else. But I would I would encourage your listeners to go to the website and this will actually help support your podcast as well. And 50% of all, all proceeds that I'm receiving will go towards uh, artistic residencies for veterans because I did find the, just the process of writing was very healing because it forces you to go inward and uh, untie some of those knots that we can all, that life can put us into, I guess. Well, yeah, that, beautifully said. That, that's beautiful. Yeah, thank thank you. you. Thank you so much. What's the name of your website one more time? nbhankus.com. That's H-A-N-K-E-S. Yep. And the name of the book is Waking Up on the Appalachian Trail, A Story of War, Brotherhood, and the Pursuit of Truth. 
Nathan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think it's a great story. You have a great story. I love people that get on the trail for the right reasons. And, you know, they, they're able to kind of like look within themselves and reflect on, you know, what's important in life. And you, you're one of those stories, you know, um, I really, really super appreciate you reaching out to us and uh, sending me that email. Um, I can't even tell you how much I enjoyed listening to your, your story today. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. And I, I just, looking back on it, just there's so much to give back to this trail community. And the little I can do is share my story and uh, hopefully inspire others to get out on the trail as well, uh, which is exactly what you two are doing. So thank you so much. Thank you, Nathan. Thanks, Nathan. We'll talk to you yeah, It's been a pleasure. Later. Yep. Thank you. Bye-bye. You guys, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, please post a comment on Apple Podcasts or on iTunes. It really helps spread the word about our podcast and gets more people engaged with the uh, podcast. Or really post a comment on any of your favorite podcatchers. We really appreciate it. Shout outs to our lovely and amazing Facebook members, as always. Shirley, um, so touching um, that you wrote about your your husband and getting him out. Um so happy to hear that he's obsessed with gear. So thank you for posting that on our Facebook member group this week. We got a big kick out of that. And of course, our patrons who help support the podcast. If it wasn't for them, we really couldn't keep going. Ted Jones, Dave Boyer, John Phillips, Rick Horneck, Jerry Burlstein, Shirley Nutt, Jerry, Suzanne Johnson, Brad Wolf, Helene, Mike Pellet, Jacqueline, Danny Bowen, Jack Masters, Amy Tappendorf, Jeff Nyman, Kathy Kinnison, Bob Esser, Matthew Creecroft, Vicki Thomason, Becky Wenger, Jill Lang, and EJ Newell. If you guys don't know what Patreon is, and you're like, what the heck is Patreon? Patreon is a secure platform that lets you support your favorite podcast. All you need to do is create an account and go to Trust the Trail Podcast, and as low as $2 a month, get special benefits for exclusive content. Our podcasts are always available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all the big ones. All your favorite podcatchers, Stitcher, we're all on there. Podbean, we're on that one. If we're not on one that you listen to, let us know, and we will make sure that we get we will get on it for you. You can also follow us on Instagram, Trust the Trail, and Trust the Trail Facebook page. I think we learned on this podcast for sure that the trail does provide you things that you need in your life whether you're looking for them or you're not looking for them and sometimes if you keep an open mind the trail gives you everything that you need so trust the trail you guys bye bye